Our New Testament reading this morning comes from the book of Hebrews. We'll be starting in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12, and then read a portion of Hebrews 4 as well. If you want to turn there, you'll find it in the Blue Pew Bible in front of you on page 1002. Hear then the word of the Lord. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest. As he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this passage he said, they shall not enter my rest, since therefore it remains for some to enter it. And those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David so long afterward in the words already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works, as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. We're going to be spending the next couple of weeks, or I guess we're going to be spending two weeks, um, not the next couple of weeks, but two weeks on the fourth commandment. This is the commandment about the Sabbath. Uh, Because I'm going to be away at General Assembly next week, Dick Olson is going to be leading us in worship, uh, and so it'll be the following week that we pick this up again. Uh, But there's just too much, it seems to me, to um, cover all at once, especially on a day when we typically have a little bit of a shorter sermon 
because of the Lord's Supper. It's just a little too much, I think. The fourth commandment is, is in some ways a bit more complex because for one, it's, it's the most often repeated of the Ten Commandments. It's the most often spoken again in the scriptures. Um, God, throughout the Old Testament, this is the one that's repeated over and over. And in, in a lot of ways, that's because the, the Sabbath day acted as the sign of the Mosaic Covenant. This is how you remember this covenant that God made by setting aside this particular day for worship. It also plays a huge role in redemptive history as it pointed to the true spiritual rest that is only available through Christ. And that's what we see in Hebrews like we just read. The other complicating factor, I think, um, with this particular command is that in, in a group like ours, my assumption is that when we come to uh, the, the Sabbath command and the idea of a Sabbath, on the one hand, some of us uh, maybe have a little bit of a more sensitive conscience, and it will be hard for us to hear how there could be you know, continuing validity to this command without just feeling burdened and condemned, uh, when the command is all about rest and freedom. <laughs> and so we, we don't want that. Um, well, on the other hand, I think probably some of us think, well, you know, this doesn't have anything to say to me anymore. This doesn't give me any direction for my life anymore. And so we don't want that either. There is continuing validity to the fourth commandment, just as there are to all the rest. But we want to see it as the blessing of God that it is, which it is in Christ. And so walking that balance is something that we're going to try to do. In an attempt to do that, we're going to spend two weeks on it. This week, focusing primarily on the the way in which it has been fulfilled in Christ. That Christ is the true Sabbath rest of God. That is how you can partake in it. And then the following week, two weeks from now, uh, we will look a little bit more at what it actually does in directing the Christian life. What exactly is the direction that the Sabbath gives us. As we participate in the Lord's Supper later... It's right that we focus then today in a particular way on the finished work of Christ and in his fulfilling of the rest that God has promised, a true spiritual rest that you can have in him. The passage we just read reminds us that God promised rest for the people. Right? He promised to his people rest that they could enter into when he brought them out of Egypt. But he says some of them did not enter that rest. And why? Why does he say they didn't enter the rest? Because of unbelief. Hebrews was written to a a particular audience of, of Jewish believers in the early days of the church who were tempted to leave the faith, to leave the gospel, and return to the ceremonial law, return to the temple sacrificial system that they had been accustomed to. And the author of Hebrews says, that's what your ancestors did. They turned away from the promise of rest as well. Don't be like them. They heard the good news, it says in verse 2. Just as we have received the good news, that is the gospel, he says they received the gospel. They received the, the, the promise, the good news of rest in the Lord. 
but they turned back in unbelief and didn't enter that rest which was promised. It is by faith in Christ that true spiritual rest can be obtained. Hebrews is teaching that the Old Testament promise of Sabbath, a a Sabbath which is a, a ceasing from one's work for true spiritual union with God, that this This is only fulfilled in the work of Christ. It's only received by faith. The substance of what the fourth commandment spoke of to the people of Israel was not purely some kind of ceasing from one's earthly work, their physical work. But rather, it was all about a trusting in the provision of God. A trusting that he will give rest. He will give what we most need. He will provide. And apart from that, the people of Israel actually couldn't even participate truly in a Sabbath. At the heart of the Bible's teaching then on Sabbath, from start to finish, is Christ himself. The truest fulfillment of this command. Right? A ceasing from one's labor. This only comes through spiritual union with Christ by faith. It's in Christ that you can find true rest and true freedom. Because it's in Christ that there is a new creation. It's in Christ that you have been redeemed. And that's actually what the fourth commandment is all about. We might not always see it when we first read it, but that's what it's all speaking of. That's what it's all about. The Old Testament scripture reading is from Exodus chapter 20. We'll be focusing on uh, verses 8 to 11. I'm going to start at the beginning of chapter 20 for the reading. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments." You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son, or your daughter, your male servant, or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This is God's holy and inspired word for us this morning. The very first word of the fourth commandment is remember. It doesn't start with saying you shall not. It doesn't start with what you shouldn't do. 
in that way it's a little bit different than most of the other commands other than the command right after in the fifth commandment. But it starts with remember that positive command. And it doesn't say make for yourself a Sabbath day. No, it starts with remember. Remember the Sabbath day. You don't remember something that has not yet happened. Something that has not yet uh, existed. You remember something that has already been. The Sabbath day then was not created at Sinai. It already existed. The Lord, having brought Israel out of Egypt, had already, before giving these ten words, these ten commandments, he had already started to teach them to Sabbath. He did so in giving them manna from heaven to eat. And while they were moving toward Sinai, they were to collect the manna, right, this bread from heaven, six days of the week. But the seventh day was to be a Sabbath. They weren't to collect that day. Instead, that day they would have to simply trust in the Lord's provision, that he would provide enough the day before that they would be provided for. A day when they would gather for solemn, holy resting and worship focused on his completed work. And the idea of a Sabbath actually goes back even further. It goes all the way back to creation itself. God Sabbathed. He ceased from his work after six days and on the seventh day rested. And so this command comes, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. In the earth in the midst, rather, of this earthly life, doing the work that God has called you to do, remember the Sabbath. Remember that there is true spiritual rest from all of your labor offered to you through the work of God in the work of Christ himself. He offers to you both freedom and rest. And you need only believe and receive it. You need only trust him to have it. You don't need to do anything else. You must, as Hebrews said, strive to enter his rest. And how is that done? What did it say in Hebrews? We who have believed enter his rest. You need only believe and it is yours. The Sabbath is uh, literally a ceasing, right? It's a, it's a ceasing day, a stopping day. To Sabbath is to cease from your regular work and activity, to cease from your labor. And the command of God here is not, you should never work. There's actually a command to work, right? You shall, for six days, labor and do all of your work, right? There are six days that you are to work, that's because you're made to work, at least in part, right? That's part of what you're for, right? God put Adam in the garden to work it and keep it, right? To work it and guard it. So it's part of what you're made for. But that's not all you're made for. And in fact, it's not the highest good that you were made for. To labor and work without ceasing would be to see man as mechanical, as a machine, 
and it would forget what is the highest end for which you were created. Right? What, what is the, the ultimate purpose for which you were created? It forgets it. The highest end is summed up in the Ten Commandments in the first command. You shall have no other gods before me. Right? You shall have no other highest ends. No other higher purposes, God says. So the Sabbath, to remember the Sabbath, this was to be a reminder of that highest end. A reminder that your highest good is not simply toiling away for the next earthly good, but your highest good is the spiritual life, is union and worship of God. The Sabbath is a sign, then, of one's covenant relationship with God. That's what it's all about. That's why it's to be kept holy or sanctified. It was supposed to be distinct from other days so that Israel would better remember that it was all about the Lord. Right? It was all about uh, receiving, not just doing or, or giving. It was, it was all about receiving something from Him, about resting in Him. And it is not, you know, when you read this, it's, it's not just ceasing and that's it. It's not just a ceasing for ceasing's sake. It's not a divine command for lethargy, right? This isn't a command to be a, a holy couch potato. It's ceasing for something else. It's ceasing your normal labor, but it's a Sabbath to the Lord your God. In other words, there's, it's, it's not that you're just done with everything. It's there's something else. There's something different this day that you devote yourself to. It's the ceasing of a certain kind of activity so that you can focus on another, namely the worship of God. Israel would cease from its work to then simply receive from the Lord that which only he could give, which is rest and true freedom, not just freedom of body, which he had given them in bringing them out of Egypt but the truer, the greater freedom that is given only in Christ. And that brings us to the reasons that are given for a Sabbath. The Sabbath is connected in the Ten Commandments and throughout Scripture to two primary uh, works of God. Really, the the two uh, central works of God. Those being creation and redemption creation where we're told of the rest that you can have when you partake in your highest end and redemption which speaks of that true spiritual freedom that can be had but first look here as it speaks about creation but the seventh day is a sabbath to the lord your god on it you shall not do any work You, your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, the sojourner within your gates. For in six days, for, for in six days, because, because of why? Because look what God did. In six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. So God himself rested from his work. He Sabbathed 
from his work on the seventh day. So this command, though it is a particular sign for the people of Israel, is actually rooted in creation itself and creation's God. This particular day was, was to be set aside as holy. It was to be, be set aside because this is when God had finished his work. Right? He had finished. He had made man in his image, making him from the dust, bringing him up, up out of the dust, breathing life into him. He had given him dominion. He had charged him. He had given him a bride. He does all of this, right? He he works to the end of creation, and then he rests. He completes his work, and then he rests. The fact that God rested on the seventh day is the impetus, then, to have one day of seven set aside for rest. And we'll talk about the nature of that rest some, but... First, then I want to tie this to, to redemption, right? This is, this is maybe even more so than creation. It's maybe more often that the idea of Sabbath is tied to redemption. It's implicit in Exodus, but it's made explicit elsewhere, right? It's implicit here in Exodus in both the fact that we have the, the beginning of the Ten Commandments starting with this preface that tells us that This is all about the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. In other words, the one who redeemed you out of the land of slavery, out of the house of slavery. Okay, so right there, we know that all of this is is seen in the light of redemption. But it goes on from there, too. In fact, many times when um, laws are given in the Old Testament about slaves or household servants, it will be tied to the idea of Sabbath in some way. In Exodus 21, just after the Ten Commandments, when we're given laws about um, how long somebody could be in servitude, it uses the, the structure of six days and then one day. But in years, it says six years, someone may be a, a household servant, but in the seventh year, they must be released. They must be set free. It's tied to the same reality. And it's made explicit elsewhere. Specifically, um, we see this in Deuteronomy. If you want to turn there, you don't have to, but in Deuteronomy 5, we have uh, the, the second giving of the Ten Commandments, right? Deuteronomy is all the, it's the second giving of the law. It's Moses repeating to the people of Israel all that God had taught them before they enter into the land that he had promised. And he gives the Ten Commandments in chapter 5. And in verse 12 to 15, we have the Sabbath command. But I want you to listen and, and see if there's anything that sounds a little bit different this time. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son, your daughter, or your male servant, or your female servant or your ox, or your donkey, or any of your livestock, or the sojourners within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So Deuteronomy, it's explicitly tied 
The Sabbath is explicitly tied to the idea of redemption. That you were a slave and God freed you. He redeemed you. And so that rest that he has given you from bondage, from slavery, should be given to others. Ceasing from one's labor was a reminder that God had provided redemption. And it was offered then to everybody in the community. Everybody was to partake of it, right? It's not just some. Back to Exodus, although we have it in Deuteronomy as well, we have this list of everybody that should be involved in this Sabbath. Right? You shall not do any of your work. You or your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, or the sojourner who's within your gates. Who's all listed? You, sons, daughters, male servants, female servants, livestock, and sojourners. Okay, count that up. How many different groups are mentioned? It's seven. Right? You, sons, daughters, male servants, female servants, livestock, sojourners. Right? This number of rest, this number of completion. Everybody is to partake in this remembering of rest. The remembering of God's rest and God's redemption. In other words, this is a, a matter of God's good for everyone in Israel, right? Not, not just some particular class. And that's in part because it's rooted in creation. And it's part because it's rooted in redemption. We have both. You are a part of creation. Well, God established that there should be rest. You've experienced redemption as God brought you out of Egypt. Well then, that experience of rest should be shown and remembered by everyone. Shown to everyone. Just as the people of Israel know what it's like to live under a cruel taskmaster in Egypt that forced them to labor day in and day out and had no freedom, and they knew what a blessing it was, or at least should have known what a blessing it was that God brought them out of that, now that reality of redemption is to be shown to everybody in the society, right down to the, the foreigner, the one that they would not have thought to treat the same as those around them. Everybody's to be given this rest. Don't you see then that this was a gift of God to Israel? It was, a it was supposed to be a blessing to Israel and to the people. It was not given as a harsh command. Okay, it wasn't given as a new kind of, of burden or toil for the people. God wanted to give the people true spiritual rest. That which they were most made for, both in creation and as a newly redeemed people. What are they for? What's, what is the thing that will be most fitting and where their soul will be most at peace and at rest. It's this. But what often happened in Israel is that this day of rest was made into a burden. 
It was made into something that would crush people because of a lack of faith, because of unbelief, just as we read in Hebrews 3 and 4. They didn't experience the good news of the rest and freedom that was set out for them in remembering the Sabbath day. Instead, it's made into this kind of burden that people couldn't bear. It just crushed them. So much so that when Jesus comes on the scene and he would heal someone, or he would have mercy on them, show them mercy and heal them, he would be condemned, right, for having broken the Sabbath. How could mercy be contrary to the Sabbath? It's not. And yet he was condemned. That's how backwards this had been, right? How could giving someone, uh, completing them in a sense, right, giving them back something of what they're made to be by healing them be wrong? Or he and his disciples are are condemned because as they go through the field, his disciples would, would pick and would eat some grain. What, why would it be wrong to eat on the Sabbath day if this is all about rest in the Lord? Unbelief had turned the gift and blessing of God into a curse. It blinded them to the good news It blinded them to the gospel of rest. Don't let that be you. Instead, strive to enter his rest. Strive to take hold of the rest and freedom that God has made possible in Christ. Okay, then how do you do that? What, What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, brothers and sisters, turn your eyes once again upon Jesus. It is in Jesus Christ that you are made a new creation. A new creation has come. And you are the beginning of it. It's in Jesus Christ that you can truly be redeemed. And so that that rest and that freedom that is held out for those who remember the Sabbath, remember this promise, it's given ultimately in him. As Hebrews says, the Israelites had the gospel preached to them, but they couldn't hear it. So because of their lack of faith, they didn't enter the true Sabbath rest. Maybe they ceased at times from their earthly labor, but they never did it to the Lord, or at least not often. This is the thing. You can follow the letter of the law, but miss the spirit of the law. You can attempt an outward conformity to God's law, but he wants your heart. Moses says, circumcise the foreskin of your hearts. Right? It's always been about the heart. Jesus tells the disciples on the road to Emmaus, what? That all of these laws, all of this is about who? It's about him. It was all written about him. So if you miss Jesus in the fourth commandment, you miss it all. You don't actually get it yet if you don't have him. You've missed the point altogether. So to obey the fourth commandment, as we've been talking about the the Christian life and how the Ten Commandments direct our lives, to obey the fourth commandment is first to believe in Jesus Christ, to trust him, to simply receive from him life and peace. 
Why is that? Because all that is promised, all that is held out in the fourth commandment is only found ultimately in him. The Sabbath has always been about receiving the grace of God through faith, not trying to work your way into his grace, not thinking that somehow your striving is the source of his grace, but simply receiving from him. Ceasing your work that you might purely receive, not physical manna, but spiritual manna. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You will not ultimately experience rest, the kind of Sabbath rest that Scripture speaks of, apart from Christ. The rest offered here is not just some kind of physical recuperation so that you can go back to work. Sometimes we think of the idea of Sabbath that way. Well, I take a Sabbath because I, I just, you know, I get a little extra sleep. I'm physically ready now to go back to work. The Sabbath isn't about that at all. Maybe I shouldn't say it all. Maybe there's a piece of that. But the piece is as a reminder for the kind of rest that you can't just do on your own. You can't just get. It's, it's a reminder of something that you have to simply receive. It's a day set aside for the Lord, right? To the Lord, your God, for worship and sacrifice and fellowship, singing praise, thanksgiving, feasting, temple service, all of these things that Israel would participate in on this day. The rest offered was always a spiritual rest where you can participate in your highest good, that which your soul was made for. And not just when I say soul, I don't just mean, you know, my body has nothing to do with this. No, but you as made body and soul, that, that thing which you were most made for, most created to do, was to simply enjoy and worship the God who made you. And to partake of that is where true rest comes from. Right? To actually engage yourself in that is where you actually find, oh, this is what I'm made for. Right? It's where you find, this is, this is what I was always meant for. You'll always, no matter how much you work, no matter what you do, even if you love your work, which is great, right? Each of us has been called by God. We have a vocation from God to do certain things. But all of us have the, the combined vocation of, of worship, of enjoyment in God himself, of participating in the life of God. All of us have that because it's part of what we're made for. You can... Talk to anybody about the, you know, the, the physical, earthly work that we do. And you're never going to find somebody who gets to a point where they say, this is it. Like, this is everything. Maybe somebody would say that. Right? But there's always something missing. There, you always want more. Right? That's part of the nature of the toil of our earthly work. I listen to a lot of, of uh, you know, business podcasts. I'm interested in business and and investing in those sorts of things. And uh, there's one podcast I listen to where they interview a lot of different billionaires, right? And these are guys who, I mean, they're not billionaires for no reason. They didn't just fall into this. I mean, they're incredible workers. They're just incredibly efficient. They're incredibly brilliant. Uh, they, they work hard all the time. And every single time that they're interviewed, 
they will come to some point where they say, well, I, like I loved it. They're at the point where they could just kick back the rest of their lives, right? I mean, they could just be done. But they'll either say, well, number one, it's just not, I want more. There's still something more I want, right? It's not enough. It, I haven't gotten to the place where I just feel like here I am, like this is it. I'm, I need nothing else. I'm at total rest in my heart. There's always something more that they want. Or a lot of the time they'll even say, in, in accumulating all of this, I've realized that there are more important things. There are better things. There's something else that I'm made for beyond just this, beyond just this work. And a lot of times they're misguided in what that is, <laughs> but they, that they recognize there's something outside of this work, this toil that I've been engaged in. Even though I've been incredibly successful, there's, there's something missing. There's something not there. It's because it, your heart will always be restless until it finds its rest in Christ. Okay, it's, it's not simply ceasing. It's not simply some kind of ascetic practice of, I'm just not going to do anything. No, it's, it's ceasing from the ordinary to focus on the, the highest things. Rest, true rest, is participating in the life of God, resting in Him. And that means receiving from Him what He gives and having a posture of faith, a, a thankful heart at receiving what He has for you. And apart from faith in Christ, you'll find that it doesn't matter how much you, you Sabbath in this life, you'll still feel restless. You'll still feel insecure and uncertain of the future. Right? You'll still be unhappy in the present. You'll still be without joy. You'll still be anxious. You'll still be filled with that existential dread that tells you that there's something wrong in your life, but it, there's never a solution to it. You'll never truly cease from trying to protect yourself, save yourself, preserve yourself, change yourself. Right? And, and that, that earthly toil of just the, the, the constant grind is a great burden. Right, that never-ending schlog of, of being the sole provider of all of your needs and wants. You're not made for that. And so when you try to do that, it just it doesn't work. The promise of the gospel is that you can simply receive life. You can simply receive all that you need and want. Your highest end is simply enjoying the God who made you and redeemed you. And it's in that that then you find true freedom. Jesus told you that it's for freedom that he has set you free. And in Christianity, you've not traded one taskmaster for another, one burden for another. You've been redeemed. Right? I do not call you servants, Christ says. I call you friends. Redemption was foreshadowed in the freeing of Israel in Egypt and bringing them to a land of blessing. But it's made a reality in Christ. Through his shed blood, through his resurrection from the dead. It's in that that you can have true freedom. A freedom that cannot be taken away. A freedom to love God and the things of God. To serve him with joy and take part even now in true life which he offers. Right? You are a new creation. You have been redeemed. And so in Christ... Because of that, you can actually have true Sabbath rest. It's already yours. 
You simply have to believe. You simply have to receive it. Let me pray. Lord, we believe. Help our unbelief. We do ask that we could truly receive that rest to know peace with you and to have that attitude of thankfully receiving everything that we most need from you. Lord, we pray that where we feel disconnected from that, where we are not experiencing that, that you would free us from the toil of this world and give us the rest of the next. We ask this not in our name, but in Christ's name. Amen.